You're listening to the Fire in a Hole podcast with Richard and Jason, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and a cast. If you want to keep the show free and help us keep the lights on, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. If you have ideas for the show, we'd like to come on the show, uh, don't hesitate to drop us a line at Podcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Today we've got Al Melamed on the show. He is a movie producer with Impact Media. Uh, we talk a bit about his Bulgarian roots and being that he's from Georgia, we talk about Trump because why not? Everybody else is. Uh, we hear a bit about his movie producer stories and upcoming movie Lady Psycho Killer coming out next year. So hang on to your hats. Here's another episode of Fire in the Hole with Al Melamed. One of the things that I think struck me about odd about this election, and maybe I just missed it, was nobody asked uh, Donald Trump what makes America great. And that was the part that I, what are, what he are his... He wants to make America great again. Yes. Nobody said to him, well, what is it that makes America great? Correct. What is it you want to do what is that we're me- not doing now? What are the metrics? Because it seems like, from listening to him, the metrics are that it's a competition. So, as your garden variety uh, half Israeli Bulgarian uh, guy from Atlanta, Georgia, <laughs> you know your average, yeah, just your average every day. Guy. Yeah. Um, how do you how you feeling <laughs> about the situation back home? Um, to be honest with you, yeah, it was a downer. Yeah, pretty mixed. Um, you know, like you of voted. course being from Georgia. Yeah, of course being from Georgia. It's been like always traditionally gone red, so you've always had the sentiment that like, oh well, you know, no matter how I vote, it's going to go Republican. But the most interesting thing is that it was so close this time, like even in Georgia, that they're talking about in the next, you know, ten years, fifteen years, that's going to be like a battleground state. So it's going to be interesting, and it's interesting for the film situation there because you know Georgia has thirty percent tax credits, and all these studios have moved in. Really, it's so, starting to be like a fertile uh, filming place. Yeah, like Atlanta's become like coded as Hollywood two now, mm-hmm. and because you have screen gems, you have screen gems there, Pinewood there, tons of studios now, and like <clears throat> they shoot like a ton of the Marvel stuff over there. Of course, what started all was Walking Dead and Vampire Diaries and whatnot. Okay, it's out of Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, it's all out of Atlanta, and like okay. Walking Dead was huge because massive. Yeah, because it, it takes place in Georgia, so they just shot it there. Okay. So, yeah, that, okay, yeah, I just realized that I'm, just, I'm a little dumb when it comes to American <laughs> geography. <laughs> Every time I look at the map, I get, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's right there. Yeah, <laughs> we're pretty down south. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, not surprised that it's a, it's a rest. But, I mean, I guess compared to, you've done the bi-coastal thing for a while now, right? Yeah. In terms of the uh, average individual being sort of savvy about the political situation are people like in the know or do they tend to more focus on their local representatives well i mean that's the thing in the states you know like i feel i feel like probably more so like in california 
you have people that vote in local elections. There's, I mean, that's the problem in the states generally. A lot of people don't focus on local stuff. Like, it's always on the presidential election or bust. But that's where people really need to start focusing on is the local stuff. And in California, they really do that a lot more because there's ads consistently on TV, billboards. It's all in your face. Mm-hmm. So it actually does become a bigger deal. Well, they're sitting on like a shit ton of electoral votes, I think, right, in California? Yeah. Yeah, 50, over 50, yeah. something like it's, that. It's nuts. But it's like, um, I mean, the big thing is, is that they just legalized marijuana there. Like okay. recreational use is now legalized in California, Washington State, Maine. So like at the same time that this, pres- this presidential election was going on, the big joke was like, well, if you're happy or disappointed with the results... Apparently, in a lot more states, you can find a new way to deal with it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it almost <laughs> Legally, came hand yeah. in hand with... Uh, oh, that's that's wild, man. Like, uh, you know, because we had a... Last episode, we kind of went to town on the topic in terms of just mm-hmm. dealing with how we felt about the whole situation. But I'm always curious to, to hear from somebody who actually, you know, is from there and was yeah. there and knows what the, the... I mean, the concerns are, it seems, the, the, the consensus we kind of came to was Richard was saying that it was largely to him like a a bit of a vote uh, against this uh, PC culture run amok, you know, Mm -hmm. like um, this idea of also this arrogance towards red states. Right. Right. This sort of uh, uppity kind of like, oh, well, if you're a red stater, then you're, you're, you're fucking Yahoo. I've reviewed my point of view since then. Actually, Have you? Yeah. Oh, I think if it was going to come down to one thing, it comes down to hope. Okay. That, People vote for change, and Hillary Clinton didn't represent change. She re- represented a continuation of the status quo. Yeah, and the Obama administration, basically. Right, but if you look at like basically every politician, they always go with like the, the things are going to change, things are going to get better, we're going to improve things. Yeah, I know things suck, but we're going to make it better. And it's fucked up that that was Trump was that candidate. So I think if you're going to distill it down to one thing, it would be that the change. I mean, yeah. Not to say that the PC thing didn't have an impact. I think it did. But I, th- I think that's the thing. I feel like it's one of those things It's like it's all perception, right? Because most people, or like a lot of people, just naturally are headline voters. And um, it's like a lot of good stuff was done during the Obama administration. People, you know, like everybody has critiques of the administration. All Americans do, like left or right. But like you cannot, you you can't like basically go against the fact that Unemployment went down drastically, drastically in the states. Yeah. Millions of Americans got health care. You know, like you did a lot of good. Did you feel that in the streets? The like, did you feel the people yeah. like react to this, the medic, uh, the Obamacare stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely a lot more people were able to get coverage, and that's really something that was a we big, like, take a big it for focal granted point. up here. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Sometimes I even say it's like that's amazing up here. It's like, wow, it's just like come standard. There, yeah. it's like. It's a big cost of your budget every month. But yeah, no, it's interesting. So it's like people want to change, but it's like I felt like people also want to change about who was representing them. Essentially, it's like people just didn't feel represented in the White House, maybe by as an image. Donald Trump comes off as attractive because, you know, at first, you know, he doesn't lean towards any party. He does his own thing. He likes loose cannon. Yeah, you just, you know, you don't know what you're going to expect from him. And I think most people would think that is dangerous. And a lot of people, apparently, almost half the voters now, 
thought that that was cool and that that's what they wanted. Any change, not some change, but I was personally a Bernie Sanders guy myself. Yeah. Yeah. You think uh, that was one, uh, one argument that came out of that. It was uh, a lot of the sort of uh, the Democrats watchers were saying, you know, if uh, Democrats had had the balls to sort of back Bernie and not mothball him, like he might have, he could have given Trump a fight and, yeah, you think that's true? I mean, yeah, I personally think so. And just in my opinion, it's like... He certainly had the change message. He did. <clears throat> and he, <clears throat> excuse me. And he, uh, he really talked a lot about basically going against also like the status quo, representing the average person, fighting for the middle class, and all those things. Actually, funny enough, Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump had so many similarities and what they're trying to go for. Because Donald Trump was saying that he's going towards the same group of people. But, you know... <clears throat> like, we're going to drain the swamp and we're going to clean house. That, exactly. That like, I mean, you know, like, he was... He's far to the right. And a lot of people said, like, how do you fight that politically as you get somebody that's far to the left? And I think, like, the main issue with the DNC is that the mentality was, like, it was just Hillary Clinton's turn to run. That kind of was the attitude. You're right. You know, it's kind of just like it's her fair chance. And she's a woman and it's time for a woman president, no matter exactly that is. And And that was kind of silly. Yeah. I mean, it was just like it's it's her turn politically to be president. And they were were like, no, (laughs) they really didn't expect. I mean, funny enough, I feel like the Trump campaign didn't even expect that they were going to win either. I don't think so. No, not at all. I think a lot of Trump voters were were protesting the vote by voting Trump, but they didn't really think Trump was going to get in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were surprised by the like, result. Really? And yeah. then when you that see, happened, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is reality. When Trump, uh, when you see him in the white house with uh, Obama, which is, I think possibly the most epic, awkward meeting since I'm trying to think of a more awkward situation. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe no. one of those G8 summits where like the, <laughs> the, those like dictators, those genocide uh, and ethnic cleansing guys have to sit next to like <laughs> democratic country leaders. Like that was or, like, and they have to pretend that it's all good. That, you, know? you know, like we're talking to each other. Yeah. We're working things out. The, the duck was pretty good at lunch. Yeah. yeah it was pretty yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Did, you so, get, did you get creme brulee? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Meanwhile, like. One one guy is running like a somewhat corrupt but open society, and the other one is just genocidal maniac, like uh, killing everyone yeah, that, that opposes him. That photo of Obama and Trump is oh my god, poor like Obama! They're like shaking hands. Yeah, it's so awkward. They're both terrified. That's the, the hilarity of yeah. it. Yeah, you've got. You, um, I noticed um, there's two faces now that I've picked out that Trump does that are really funny. One is when he's purposefully saying something outrageous he yeah. has almost this orgasmic look on his face <laughs> where yeah. he's like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna i'm going to build a wall yeah. and he just like he's like he's so happy with he's getting a huge hit off of yeah. like just going against everything yeah. and being right and then the other is it's true he, and he hangs on to the syllable too like Whoa. i'm gonna build a wall yeah yeah <laughs> it's almost like he's 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 rubbing up against you in the bus you know yeah. <laughs> kind of thing he's not supposed to do it but he's gonna do it and then uh the white house is the first time i really saw him kind of do the uh, old man worried squint yeah mm-hmm. you know where he's just like pursing his lips and oh, the look on obama's face man well they mm-hmm. say that meeting you know like when the president elect meets the past president is kind of just like when 
they finally meet each other and basically the president gives a quick rundown of the real situation of the country. Right. You know, like here are some hmm. hard facts. Here's like some here's things that nobody scoop. exactly. Here are the things that nobody else knows. <clears throat> I feel like you can just see Trump's face is just like, Oh my God, I'm president. <laughs> like, like I was not expecting this at all. Right. I just you see Obama's face like, Oh my God, what have I done the past eight years? Like, yeah, I hope it just doesn't get tanked. Let in me three introduce weeks. you to the aliens. They're yeah, the ones exactly. who really run yeah. the show. This is Zenu. Next yeah. week you're going to go to area 51. Right. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to get the operation. What operation? We'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. The chip doesn't hurt. Okay. But the stuff that Obama was saying was hilarious, too. Like, the, his, his, his tone. He's like, yeah, so we, uh, we got to help you out, you know, because what's good for you is good for the country. <laughs> it was, like, super thinly veiled, like... Yeah. Somebody kill me, please. I can't believe I'm... The I'm whole time he's just like, really, America? Really? <laughs> I feel like the... The thing that came out of it, like the only, like the the really funny thing that came out of it that's hit the internet, and like editorials have been talked about the how many Obama Biden memes. Oh, the memes there yeah. are now, hmm. just like so many memes of Obama and Biden talking to each other about what they're gonna do in the transition. Right, they're like things like Biden whispering to Obama, he's like. I'm not going to give him the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, always I said what I said. Yeah, Biden, Biden is the troublemaker. Yeah, yeah, Biden is basically the one that's just <laughs> going to, to like punch him make in the it face. Re- just going to make it really difficult for them. <laughs> and Obama's like, "Come on, Joe. Yeah, just set, <laughs> leave him alone. Just, just do the job. No, he's no, like, fuck no. him. <laughs> he's not getting the Wi-Fi password. I'm sorry. He's going to have to figure that one on his own. Well, one interesting uh, statistic that I read um, was a post like the week after was that apparently uh, he got less, Trump got less votes than Romney and McCain. Yeah. So that in terms of the actual sheer numbers, he did not do better than those two no. um, in the popular vote at the very least. Yeah. But his strategy was sound. Like a stra- his strategy put him over by targeting and like you said, campaigning like a fucking madman. Mm. Yeah. But um, he's by no means, it. this idea that there was like a red wave is is really exaggerated there was no awakening uh so much as there was uh the 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 vote shifted just in the right way almost like the maybe the republican voters wisened up a little bit and figured out how that works i think i know that you had i think i read you had in like a really huge increase in uh like white male middle class voters right that was the story that came out yeah you know and um it's like, I mean, of course, what's going on right now, like all the protests and everything and all these people are unhappy. But, um, you know, like she's like, and the big question is the electoral college now. Yeah, there's I think mo- I think like, it's the, they like they're talking about it so much. You know, you haven't seen it since Bush Gore when they were talking about with Florida. The recount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that whole recount business years ago. And um, that lasted a few weeks. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, even let's say in the most crazy scenario, the electoral college decides to pull a fast one and switch the the vote, the other country is going to flare up, <laughs> hmm. right? Like the other, other side of the... The other the, side. Yeah, you still got to remember almost half the country. I yeah. mean, half the voters, not half the country, half the voters. A lot of that is um, making excuses, but it is true. The electoral college system is it's nuts. craziness. Yeah, like, I mean... It's really outdated feel like it used to work when we were 13 colonies. Right. You know, the West like, wasn't mapped yet. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, you had to find a way to represent people. 
But the only thing I ever see is Electoral College continuing like normally is that if all <coughs> states decide to be able to split the vote, Maine, for example, can split their vote. You know, complete. I don't know. It's like Maine and another state. I forgot the other state. But it's like Maine, you know, like mostly went blue. But southern Maine, you know, like voted, you know, like all blue, liberal. And like northern Maine, which is more rural, voted red. So I think they have like three votes uh, in the electoral system. So two of them went blue and one of them went red. They just split them up. Okay. So they felt like everybody could be quote unquote represented properly. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. Whereas in other states, you know, like where it's like Pennsylvania and stuff like that, it was like, well, half the voters voted this almost, but it's like, doesn't matter. Right. All and your votes like just went. All your way. votes were over here. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, yeah, what that what, one thing I find hugely problematic with all voting in North America that I've seen is these graphs with the, the red and the blues on over the country that are hugely hugely misrepresenting what's actually going on right they just sort of color in states according to majority Hmm. i guess of votes but like it's not representative of all actually it's more like a bunch of blue dots yeah in the urban centers yeah and then a bunch of like snaking rivers of red with then more blue and then like i yeah like ohio pennsylvania all these places have these weird kind of we don't. We also don't understand that, like, United States is united, but at least in my perception, maybe you can correct this if I'm off about this, but mm-hmm. it's not as united as people think. Like, the states are very fiercely independent from each other, aren't they? Well, yeah, I mean, there's, like, a lot of legislation that can go through that's based, like, on state by state. For example, like, drinking age, you know, like, when you can drive, stuff like that. Like, a lot of things that affect everyday life mm-hmm. is, like, state by state. Yeah, is it Carolina, North Carolina? Or South Carolina, I think it's North Carolina where they can't actually serve you alcohol from like a bottle with one of those measuring things at the top. They have to oh, crack really? open those little actually. bottles that you get on the airplane. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's super weird. Really? Yeah. yeah. You have to like, you're like, give me a double. And then the girl in the back pulls out two of those tiny little novelty <laughs> bottles and cracks them open and pulls them in your, and she can't just like measure it out from a big one. Hmm. Because there's like a fierce lawyer, uh, like state law about that specific thing. Oh, wow. weird. That's somehow supposed to lower drinking? I'm not sure. I mean, up until recently, you weren't allowed to sell alcohol on Sundays in Georgia. Really? That was me mm-hmm. growing up. Like, you know, like... Sundays, no alcohol. Sundays, you can buy alcohol. So to encourage worship? Or it was just a thing? No one knows really. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it's a, something from back in the day. Like get people in the church. Involving religion, yeah. But... Now it's just like I mean, like up until now, it's kind of like I mean we I mean we have a county like uh, Kennesaw County right near Atlanta, where Kennesaw State University is located, and um, apparently, if you were the owner of a household, you have to own a gun. Mandatory. It was mandatory to own a gun, and there was also like Kennesaw State University couldn't have um, sororities. You know, they could have fraternities, but no sororities because if you had like X amount of girls living in one house or like a building, it would be considered a brothel. <laughs> which <laughs> according to like, like according to laws, so nineteenth like, century yeah, legislation. So, so it was just like I mean, you're reading this and you're like, wow, yeah, that's um, it's interesting. Yeah, laws become <laughs> um, like um, the, the it's now an adjective Byzantine, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. like just yeah, the bureaucracy is so old and no one's revising it constantly that yeah. 
you can you can actually if you really want to nail someone over over something you might you might not be allowed to cross the road with geese on Wednesday and yeah. that, that might be a law that we're all breaking every day. Yeah, I remember hearing some weird ones where it's like it's illegal to put squirrels in your pants for betting purposes for gambling because <laughs> that was a racket. <laughs> yeah. That was a thing. That was, that was a thing. I'd want a piece of that point. action. Yeah, yeah. And they're like no. Jason, we should do that. Yeah, secret leave those squirrels alone. Squirrel pants, uh, underground, uh, <laughs> like circuits. We're starting a new movement. That's bringing what it, it back. Everyone thinks it's like bare knuckle fighting. You're like, no, yeah. bro. Hmm. It's uh, what's with all the cages? You think the tea party was intense? Just wait. <laughs> squirrels in your pants, bro. Yeah. When yeah. I went to Utah five, six years ago. I think it. I was. I was there within like the month where they opened their first bar. Oh really? There was like no bars because of the Mormon oh, yeah. influence. Yeah. Salt Lake, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they consider basketball racy. I think in, in Salt Lake, <laughs> <laughs> like that's the edgy, mm. edgy stuff over there. Yeah, no, I mean, there's something to that, but there's very much a character to states, and I think yeah, that sure. it's amazing that America has actually held as long as it's had held as a union. Yeah, um, seeing how fierce, for instance, Texans are, uh, how the divide never went away that like south north divide doesn't seem to have ever yeah i mean you know you have the cultural differences now but i think like that's just a pride uh, like you know that's just a pride factor Mm -hmm. now for example it's like i haven't really spent an extensive amount of time with texas i've driven through texas a few times but like like speaking to texans kind of like you know they consider themselves the lone star state oh yeah because they can be independent but it's like you know still proud to be american you know that's kind of just like left in the past whereas i know here there's quite a there, there's a much more serious separatist movement let's say in quebec than there's been like right now like in any state yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean uh i think the buy-in for texas is that the government has always known better than to to fuck with them like yeah they'd like give them a wide berth yeah hmm. and if you go to certain parts of texas it's like a time warp you yeah. still got the ladies with the huge hair and the blue um, eyeshadow and the the dudes like throwing their jackets down the floor on the, on the sidewalk to for ladies and <laughs> there's a lot this? of yep i've heard of this oh, okay uh, first-hand experience there's a lot of but then you go to austin and it's like this weird progressive super like tech, liberal melting spot yeah Aust- yeah austin's no amazing dallas is like ridiculously it's like kind of like creepily clean because okay. it's like all this oil money that's in the city. Mm. So I remember driving through Dallas. Actually, one of my favorite things was like, I just know like sometimes, you know, like when you drive through Montreal, you know, like good luck, yeah. you know, with your car. Just driving. Good but luck. like yeah. in Dallas, it was like I'm driving on the highway and I saw a sign that said, please excuse road work. And I'm like, okay, it's really smooth. All of a sudden, I feel like the slightest bump, like almost nothing, you know. And then I just saw a sign that was like, thank you you know like road work stops here and i was like that was it you know like that was road work like right. everything else is like pristine like you right. can't even find like a random beer can under a bridge you know on the highway it's 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 nuts that's uh here it's a post-apocalyptic wasteland in comparison yeah, <laughs> yeah you think. yeah oh well, yeah i want a guy from dallas to come up here and be like it's like fallout yeah it <laughs> is it is fallout it really is yeah I think the most shocking thing I ever heard was from like a Haitian cabbie going like telling me like straight up that the roads were better in Haiti hmm. post 
post earthquake. <laughs> oh my god! He's like everything else here is really interesting and like posh compared to you know because we we get like uh, god like kicks Haiti once every like couple of years. Yeah, with its full wrath. Yeah. yeah, they they just there's just I don't think humans were supposed to civilize there. <laughs> I think they were supposed to like wash up there. If we had a ship shipwreck, was supposed to wash up and there. Nobody told them. Yeah, but it's just not a land that's supposed to be inhabited, I think, in any permanent way. Right. And he was like, yeah, it wasn't being sarcastic. He was just really like, no, road's better back home somehow. Don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, they're better in Bulgaria. Oh, man. Bulgaria. Yeah. Yeah, that says a lot of people don't know anything about Bulgaria, right? They... I get confused all the time for you're like you're half Bulgarian, right? I'm like no Hungarian. Yeah, well you know whatever. I'm like no, no it's <laughs> it's a completely it's different. very different, it's very different. It's one of the Aryans. It's one of the, the Aryans. Aryans. Exactly. I could see how people could make that, uh, but Bulgaria. I mean, I used to have a very close friend uh, in school that was from there. So, five hundred years of Turkish occupation. Yes, for starters. For starters. For starters, right? Yeah. Which um, uh, your average Bulgarian uh, vividly remembers to this day. Yes, like they lived through it personally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. You see, like, a guy in his 80s in Bulgaria, you feel like he's lived through it, like, his whole life. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. And then it's almost, I don't know if I'm exaggerating here, but it's almost like the, the Soviet occupation by was, was not even an occupation. I mean, like, it was clearly uh, an oppressive. Um, regime, yeah. But just because it wasn't Turkish, it was it was like somehow not as bad, you know. Like it was somehow not as brutal. But the fact is that like that's maybe one thing that Hungary and Bulgaria have in common is they felt the the Soviet yoke. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they both were communist countries, and I mean, it's funny. It's like I guess the mentality, just like from having family that's gone through it, was that like things in Hungary were much better than things in Bulgaria. So, like, Bulgarians would look at, like, oh, man, the situation in Hungary is so good. I'd love to go there. But, like, people in Russia, like, actually in the Soviet Union would go, like, God, I wish I could go to Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Because that's amazing. Compared right to. Compared uh, to, you know, what we're going through. So. Yeah. And now Moscow is some sort of weird, bizarro, like, uh, City Vegas. of millionaire oligarchs and just, like, yeah, on the other spectrum, just, like, thousands of, like, extremely poor. Yeah. yeah. Throngs yeah. of poor, and then like a bunch of like kind of like Manhattan. Is is that is that the Manhattan? <laughs> yeah. Well, Harlem is weird now, right? In Brooklyn and all these yeah. places, they've, yeah. they've been gentrified. Super, it's nuts. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like prices are ridiculous. Well, I get it. I get it. I mean, you're you're you tell your producer, right? Like that's yeah. your main gig, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's another thing, like Bulgaria producing is something people don't understand <laughs> and they're like <laughs> it's, nice a mis- it's a mystery it's a mystery it's a bit of a mystery yeah yeah and i hear it all the time uh, i hear it all the people like oh well you know when you're a producer like you know it's like all the money and the thing and you're like no it's i mean it's that but it's actually probably the most creative role of all there is no project unless the producer creates this project right? brings it like yes finds it essentially. exactly the director who's getting all this like love he's not even employed unless a producer hires him to carry out his vision of like a book he read or uh, something he optioned or something he has in his portfolio so um as a producer as a as a movie guy because that's where we met in film school um you i guess trump has to be a sort of like a 
our first show business president. <laughs> like I see it somehow <laughs> benefiting us. He's the yeah yeah no that was Reagan. That was Reagan. Yeah, it's true. Cowboy yeah. boots on the desk on the Oval Office. You did know, he? Did, yeah. It's true. Yeah, and I, I have referred to Trump as kind of a second coming on that. But question. although I think uh, Reagan was a governor or something, exactly prior to being president, he had yeah. a little bit more political a little experience. Bit. Like he yeah. reined it in. Yeah, he didn't mm-hmm. go from like uh, a cowboy movie to running the, the Oval country Office. <laughs> <Right>. instantly. <laughs> and like, uh, what is it? Obama, like three days after he was elected, gave a press conference to chill everyone out and be like, "Don't worry." I, you know, presidents gonna, don't do anything. It's gonna be cool. <laughs> but actually, he didn't say don't worry. He just said like, here's my, here's what I'm planning to do. I'm putting these things into effect. Trump that does like a 60 minute <laughs> interview, <laughs> at, like which is super weird. Like yeah. he's still in show business land in his brain. Yeah. Yeah. And he's having to be reminded of all of these things. That he's like, yeah. Mm. So do I actually have to live in the White House? Is that a thing? <laughs> Can telling- I rent it out? Is that possible? <laughs> he wants to stay there part time. Apparently, uh, I've read that. Um, Can I put my name on the front yeah. of the White Trump, House? Trump House. <laughs> just that's like an eighties. Are we allowed to paint it something else? Like, can we like <laughs> yeah. make it a nice like? Where's the gold? Fascist beige. <laughs> yeah, gold plated. Gold plated everything. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like a. It, it's literally like the Biff Tannen in uh, Back to the Future. That's what we're seeing. Ah, same right? hair too. I saw that. I saw that comparison online. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a it's, super it's, weird. It's nuts, yeah. Well, I mean, Back to the Future already has this like super bizarre string of prophetic elements in it. Yeah. And whole conspiracy theories. Yeah, around that's it. true. And I think Biff Tannen's alternate world, the like bad guy winning scenario was was based on Donald Trump. Like his look was not accidentally similar because mm. uh, that was the only example of kind of a uh, Reaganomics uh, like super winning, super you know, corporate American business guy. Mm-hmm. Like he was the emblem for that for so long. Cartoon like, villain. And yeah. even like in, yeah, and he had that gaudy casino. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, uh, what's his name? John Mulaney said he's the, uh, was it the homeless person's uh, <laughs> idea of a uh, success? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> covering everything in gold. <laughs> <laughs> and when I'm rich, I'm going to cover everything in gold and put my name on everything. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's really a poor person's idea of, like, uh, it's what happens, in fact, when you see lottery winners, like, really poor people winning the, the lottery. American dream. They get, like, fur coats, yeah. gold chains, <laughs> and they buy just stuff. None, none of it, which is Even actually... if you live in Georgia, you get the fur coat. You get the fur coat, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's I'm just so hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so rich. Yeah. <laughs> you look good. No, no, I'm really hot. Like, I'm going to die. <laughs> It's like I need that. to hire some people to like bead the sweat off my <laughs> the dad forehead. Your forehead. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you look like Conor McGregor. You look amazing. All right, <laughs> you look amazing. Is it speaking of Conor? Uh, this is a bit of a sidebar here, but uh, clearly, I don't know if you guys watched the the UFC like two o two. Is it two o two? Yeah, anyway, this past Saturday. I didn't watch it, but I sort of peripherally kept watching it. And Conor McGregor just won like he's the first double title holder in the history of the sport. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Cool. And uh, that wasn't really the interesting part. I was just like, I've never seen a guy that's so successful in, in sports and who I cannot take seriously when he talks. Because <laughs> he's so legitimately Irish that yeah. um, I always feel like he's like, people have never really heard the Irish accent in mainstream media. Like they hear okay. like the Irish Americans yeah. in gangster movies. Um, they see them in like Oz or whatever, right? But they've never heard like a full-blooded, full Full, fully Lucky sourced Charms commercials. 
He sounds so ludicrous. He sounds so ludicrous. North America is now. Yeah. And he's a tiny little guy, too. Like, everyone thinks he's this huge bruiser, but he's like this little pint size, uh, like, destroyer, right? Mm. Uh, he's what, like 160 pounds, 170 at most? He probably walks around at like 180. 180? I would, right. I would guess. Well, that's One, not small, but that's certainly not like a linebacker size. It's not no. like a football player size at all, right? Right. And then you see him at these press conference like you're fucking 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 <laughs> you're a shite to fucking it's like it's so hilarious to hear him talk you're watching mm. boondock saints all of a sudden it's <laughs> it's it's so comical and yeah. cartoonish yeah when but, he's wearing a pimp coat like, uh, he legitimately was wearing a pimp coat oh i saw that photo i actually don't watch ufc but i actually did see that photo. with like didn't he have like wacky pants on too yeah uh, I don't know. with like some know. crazy pattern on it he and was it, he was hilarious though like he he just he knows how to do the showmanship part of part of it the ufc must love him he walks into the press conference and his opponent wasn't wasn't there he'd already walked out and they have like the the conference table and they have the belts in front of them so he was he had a belt in front of him and his opponent who has the currently has the belt in that other weight class his belt was there so he goes and grabs the other belt and puts it on his desk you know nice <laughs> and of course they get into a fight and like almost throw chairs at each other right and then lawsuits whatever and then he Dana got White's, fined like 150 grand or something right who uh, cares was it yeah he does not give a chump change so for the, throwing a water bottle that's chump change yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, there's a reason i bring him up in relationship to your producing gig is because he is there's this other s- story that's much more interesting to me about conor Greg- mcgregor because i don't really care about the fighting that much uh is that he's kind of like rogue almost trump like in his handling of his career Mm. where he's the first fighter to not only demand uh like absolutely ludicrous money for his appearances which he he's justified in asking right right but until uh connor came along the the fighters even now are in like really shitty conditions. Like they have right, no okay. agency. Okay, yeah. They're being run in that sort of um, the way that wrestling was run, where they're all being hired as independents or like okay. contractors. Yeah. Uh, basically, the business is not looking out for these guys, right? And mm-hmm. the payouts are minimal, but everyone's terrified and just accepted. And this guy went from um, first first time. Okay, so he starts winning. And then he starts going like, I want this kind of purse. And the UFC and all these other guys are going like, well, that's six times. I know. Uh, that's six times what, what uh, do it, guys. Fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. Yeah, that's like six times what your average champion. Like, you're, you're asking for more money than the, the top guy in our business. He's like, yes, but I'm good for it. And all this other bullshit. Now his last win is so historic, and it's made it's the I think the biggest selling pay per view of all time for UFC. Mm-hmm. He is not even he's refusing to talk to the UFC anymore. He doesn't even want to sit down with them anymore. Really? He wants to go directly to what is it WME or the like the the like the Viacom basically the network. Yes, yeah, he's like I'm not even talking to you UFC. You you matter. You don't matter anymore. Ooh. I want a hundred mil in cash. I want this, I want that, or fuck your mother's. Like, I mean, essentially, it's going like the way of boxing then. A little yeah. bit. And I think yeah. he called out uh, Mayweather, too. Yeah. yeah they, they've been fucking around for a while, those yeah. two. Yeah. But they're, he's dictating, he's a fighter dictating to a network. Yeah. I mean, that was like, yeah, I mean, that's like what, yeah, boxers do that. It's like Pacquiao, like, it's like, 
even though you lose, you're still going to get paid a hundred and like thirty million dollars. Yeah, like, somehow you like, take home more than the actual the like, guy who beat you. No, it's like oh, I mean, I think Mayweather took like two hundred. I don't even know something. how much. Plus, like there was like some deal. I think like ten percent of whoever threw it up on pay per view or something like just like a like an astronomical it's amount cosmos of money. money. <laughs> yeah, but it's like if you're getting a hundred and twenty something million dollars like to lose, I feel like just like walk into the ring, be like. Right. <laughs> yeah, let knock me out. Let's. Yeah, let's but that's go. the thing with those guys is their egos are so so huge that like they still want to win, right? They'll like do they it. don't give a yeah. shit at yeah. about right. It's more about the power of having the execs and the producers and these guys like give them what they ask for. Mm-hmm. That's more the power move there because they've got money for forever. Yeah, right. So well, they don't smart with it. If they're smart with it, yeah. But I mean. I can't see Mayweather. He'd have to pull off some sort of MC Hammer-like self-destruction to destroy that that money. You know? I think I do know he does own like ten Bugattis or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, he's ridiculous with his yeah, money it's like, too. It's like nonstop spending. Yeah. Again, clearly was poor <laughs> before he did this, <laughs> right? Because if you have any money, then uh, or you've had any kind of sort of social economic. Uh, uh, structure in your life then when you make it big you kind of walk around in a t-shirt and, and a little sports jacket and you have a nice phone and a good watch but like you're not constantly flossing every well, it's like you know they were talking about like that's the problem in the nfl too you know like and a little bit like in the nba it's kind of like a lot of these players like really need to get you know some financial advisement like you know like to deal with all of their with all that money right you know you instantly go from now like being in high school maybe to a year a couple years in college and then all of a sudden you're making millions 25 mil for five years and how do you like balance that out the first thing you do is buy a massive house buy a three hundred thousand dollar car like all that is cost and it's like that's been the downfall of a lot of players it's true yeah boxers too yeah Yeah. i mean basketball like Allen iverson it's just like broke like iverson's broke yeah you guys remember iverson right yeah yeah yeah. yeah just like He's done. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What kind of... I mean, I read about Nicolas Cage blowing $150 million. Did you ever, did you ever read about that? I don't know 150 I know he bought a dinosaur, like a dinosaur head. Him and... That was one of the stories. So okay. him... That was... Okay. I'm trying to remember here. He had at least two castles, one of which he spent something like half a million dollars uh, like renovating. Right. He never spent a single night in it in his life. He never, ever slept in it, but he had two castles, right? He had a shit ton of cars, a shit ton of motorcycles, but then he got weird. Like, that wasn't the weird shit. Like, that's the standard, like, I'm going to make money forever, right? <laughs> uh, then he started. All the castles. All the castles. <laughs> um, he started to get um, rare animals, like albino cobras. There are four of them in the world, that type of shit. Then the dinosaur thing is him and DiCaprio got into like a like a bid bidding war. Yeah, right? him yeah. and DiCaprio are into like uh, dinosaur skulls because that's what rich people <laughs> fucking. I was about to say, oh, to have problems. Yeah, oh, to <laughs> have know, like, dinosaur problems. Yeah, it's just like mm-hmm. like what's wrong, Al? Nothing. No, Al, really, what's going? On? I I don't want to talk. Al, come on, what's going on? I didn't get my dinosaur skull. <laughs> Was, and I'm really upset. It really messed my day up. Because <laughs> it really brought the room together. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he would get into, uh, he literally, he burned through over $100 million 
uh, also trying to impress. Remember, he married uh, Presley's daughter at some point. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Because he's wanted to be Elvis Presley and Superman his like whole life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he, I'm gonna marry into. So it. I'm gonna marry into. Yeah, yeah. He's obsessed with the with the. He's a little it's bit a lot incestuous if you think yeah. about it in those terms. Does he think it's kind of like? Does he think it's kind of run like a monarchy? Like he's gonna marry into it. Into he's the bloodline. Like, am, am I the king now? Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> Is this going to transfer over to me somehow? He's gonna. And when have I'm the king, seat. I can sleep in the. I can finally sleep in the <laughs> castle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, even after he destroyed his entire fortune, he's still like a good 15, 20 mil. Like he's not, he's not starving, right? Mm. But yeah, I think the, the issue is that these guys come into money too fast and their ability to maintain their purchases shrinks really quickly. Or it can it's literally cliche stop. at this point. Lottery winners, uh, uh, football, basketball, notorious. Yeah. One concussion and the, the, the money train is gone right mm. and now you have six bugattis whoops right right and they don't sell for what they what you bought them for that's right yeah. and yeah. you have like a ridiculous mortgage on your 25 room mansion yeah that you just had to have because that you live there by yourself right you were single at the time yes but you needed <laughs> yeah. a 25 room <laughs> yeah mansion with a helipad yeah you have a lot of friends <laughs> a lot of goddamn well that's what happened to uh, mc hammer that's how he destroyed his uh him was literally fortune death by entourage like just he had so many hangers on they just ate his fortune and yeah. he he would there's records of him showing up in a town where he'd rent out like the two top floors of a hotel and they were all for these fucking dudes that just ran with him like his crew that would be funny if that was the end of entourage like the show yeah like that's just what happens like this is the end he goes broke because he gave his friends so much money. Too much money. Turtle runs off with all the all yeah. the loot. <laughs> yeah, Turtle's the only one that's successful. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, this is how it should end. I feel. But yeah. yeah, but it was not just like hotel rooms. Like all his buddies had to have watches, which I always thought was weird. To I don't care how much you love your your, your peeps, right? That like let's say went with you and mm-hmm. lived the success with you. It's weird. Like, I would not buy you a diamond Rolex. You wouldn't buy me a watch, Jason? Unless you asked for one, I still, it's a weird thing. We would have to return that one. Christmas gift. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it odd, though? Awkward. Wow. It's one thing to go, like, I'm not going to rely on you. Then. I need a house. I'll hook you up, right? <clears throat> I need a car. Yeah. But to buy, like, a. That stuff you buy for like a for like a your fiance like buying <laughs> you won't buy me jewelry a diamond a diamond <laughs> Rolex for your for for like six of your dudes that's weird it's just weird to me it's just strange it's almost like, is it stranger know. that they're all sleeping at your house afterwards <laughs> yeah totally should with, it be engraved yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly engraved from, Rolexes for all from your Jay with love. Own from Jay with love X X O thinking of you yeah <laughs> uh, time always on your wrist always on your what was it like uh, uh, always have time for you <laughs> oh. <laughs> so um, yeah so just for the record I wouldn't feel uncomfortable okay well I wouldn't either but it's just a weird thing to do is what I'm saying yeah I wouldn't I mean, be like from you like if you ever want oh well for you yeah but you'd appreciate it though <laughs> but I wouldn't give it to six fucking dudes that are just hanging out in the back at the club uh, you know throwing dollar bills at strippers for me like that's just not that those aren't my friends um, but it's just a weird, I guess, you know, we talk about this, but who knows, man? I mean, if somebody drops that kind of loot in your arms, maybe you do go a little nuts because your whole life, so much of your life is tailored around what you can and cannot do economically. Right. 
or what you should do to make sure that you don't starve or you, what you should do to make sure that your future is secure. Or. Right. So for that to all go away, I saw some graph uh, where they showed uh, they were like Conor McGregor eight, six years ago could not afford $250 for uh, entrance music. Like mm -hmm. he, couldn't he couldn't afford the money to just have music play like shitty new metal play while he comes into the <laughs> octagon because <laughs> that costs money apparently uh so he couldn't afford that and now it's like five years later or something hmm. he's something like 60 70 million dollars worth something like that almost 100 if not more so who knows what that, that does entrance to music brand. now oh yeah yeah yeah, he actually, he probably owns entrance music, <laughs> period. Metallica, always. <laughs> Metallica yeah. has to write him a song every time he, he bought it. the Irish National Anthem. <laughs> yeah. He owns part of Ireland. The yeah. Irish National Anthem played by Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be awesome. <laughs> Which would be fucking awesome. I don't even know what it sounds like, yeah, but it would probably be better than anything they've put out in the last Somebody 10 years. needs to do that now. It, well, that, that's why you're a producer, Al, and that's we why are I throwing am. this out there in the world. <laughs> Squirrel in your pants, uh, underground tournaments, and Metallica playing the Irish an national anthem. I think is Sounds where like it's a at. Good time to me. Where it's at. So producing, man, like, tell us a little bit about that. What's that world like? I mean, it's like you know, uh, I work with a company called Impact Media, mm -hmm. and uh, basically, it's like ranging everything from documentary television series to feature films and um producing is great for all the reasons that you named like at the beginning finding the project finding the talent um you know i get like a nice rush from working with people and like just finding great material and being able to bring it up and really support it and get it out there mm -hmm. so that's really where i feel like the drive comes from okay and uh when did when did when did that lock in for you? I mean, I think it really locked in after like we finished Lady Psycho Killer. Mm -hmm. It was uh, that really set it in. Like this is what I want to do. That was yeah, a hell like, of a project. Yeah, that was a that was a hell of a project. Hell Actually, of a process, hell of a project. But yeah. So that's what really made it. But I mean, you went to, you took film production like I did, right? I actually did film studies. Film studies, okay. Yeah. And did some production courses? Did I, you try to yeah. transition? I, you know, like, not really. I, uh, I was basically just happy in film studies, just like breaking down movies, watching them, doing reading the about them, doing all the theory, you know. Great like, teachers. Excuse me. Great teachers. In oh, yeah. Fucking great. Yeah, place. just to name drop. Donato Tataro, Peter Rist. Tataro, yeah. Rist, uh, Matthew Hayes. Matthew Hayes. Yeah, all these, like, amazing talent at that university. And, like, uh, I just loved it. And so I stuck with it. And, um, yeah, Lady Psycho Killer kind of came about right after that. Hollywood. It evokes images of glamour and grandeur and premieres and movie stars, right? The red carpet, which I'm on now. But what is it really? It's a business. It's an industry, like any other industry, and it's subject to change. Change in consumer tastes, change in technology. And people come to me all the time and they say, Frank, with this changing business, and how do I get in? How do I become a millionaire in Hollywood? How do I make it? And I say, it's really quite simple. If you want to become a millionaire in Hollywood, I'll tell you the secret. It can be done. You arrive in Hollywood with one billion dollars. You, in <laughs> you invest it in film, 
and you will be a millionaire before you know it. So we took a little break here, and uh, we went for uh, to the convenience store, as, as our American brothers and sisters would refer to it. And I'm down with Depp. Are you down with Depp? Do they, do, does that happen now? You go home to Atlanta, and you drop like a Montrealism, and people are like, 100%. What the fuck are you talking about? 100%. <laughs> I've actually said, can we go to the Depp? And they're like, and they're what's like that? what's wrong with you? And I'm like, gas station. Gas station. Yeah, because it's... Or like, uh, ter- uh, Terrasse. Have you, have you said Terrasse yet? <laughs> I haven't said Terrasse, but uh, I've definitely dropped Depp, and they're just looking at me like, what? And I say Depp under, and they're even more like, whatever. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Are there any... Uh, like, the, the black population is fairly large in Atlanta? Yeah, I think it's about almost 70%. 70? Okay. Yeah. Well, from pe- people I've talked to who've driven through, told me that uh, it's they're they're not like uh, like blacks elsewhere in the U.S. There's a specific thing, like a specific vibe to them. Well, like culturally, the thing, yeah. I mean, like the thing is, it's like Atlanta had something going on that it's like first of all, it's like the capital of hip hop now, mm-hmm. like of the whole hip hop industry, like the Dirty South stuff. Is yeah. that where it's coming out of? Yeah, okay. and like a lot of like you know hip-hop producers even like rappers a ton of the like mainstream stuff comes out of atlanta Hmm. and other than that like you know like businessmen and whatnot there was something that was called uh i think like black flight essentially like atlanta had always had like a really big black population and like when the the economy just like boomed in the city and like it went through like two and a half million people three million people to about like seven something million people over the span of like 12 years that's crazy yeah so it's nuts and uh it really became kind of a uh you know like a center for like businessmen and everything so mm-hmm. it's really cool that's cool okay so uh we're talking about uh this film uh lady psycho killer Yep. Which uh Nathan Oliver's project, right? Yeah, he, he wrote Ol- it? Uh, yeah, Nathan and I co-wrote it like together. Mm-hmm. And uh he directed and I produced it. Okay. I guess I don't want to I don't want to um get too much into the filmmaking talk itself like yeah. the, the manuscript because uh it would be unfair to Richard. Um and that's <laughs> we're going to have plenty of opportunities to to talk shop. No totally. I guess I'm more interested in like okay, if People are constantly like, oh, I want to be a director, I want to be an actor, I want to be this, that. Um, if somebody wants to get into the producing game, mm-hmm. right? I'm get, you're saying that movie, that movie kind of made you in terms of like it shaped you into a producer, would you say? I that? mean, first of all, yeah, like I, I learned so much. Like okay. from the good things on the film to like the problems that come up on any movie. Like I really like learn the craft. So from a, a young age. as a business, cause it's kind of like you have to, it's almost like you have to start a business, right? For yeah. like a little while. For like each movie really. Right. So how did you go about getting this project together? Like how did you, well, essentially like Nathan and I wrote the script mm-hmm. and then, um, we went down to Atlanta and I knew a financial advisor who was my neighbor, Dennis Hinton, amazing guy. And uh, we started working with him, and he had some experience in raising finances for films in the past and, like, years ago. And he was really intrigued by this idea, and uh, he went with it. And we worked for about, like, a year and a half on raising the financing from private investment through him. Right. I I remember you guys raised, like, a shocking amount of money for, like, a small project, right? Yeah. You you raised a surprising amount of money. And it was, like, it was a full-on thing. Well, of course, the... The most notable thing to me about it was 
I was in the as I discovered the project. I was in the midst of kind of finishing off my degree, mm-hmm. and I was, um, as Brendan Schaub would say, balls deep in <laughs> these fucking forgettable, boring uh, cottage films, mm-hmm. and these like like the same student film over and over. And I can't even blame necessarily those kids because that's what right. they were just trying to sort of dip their toes. They're making the same Andy Warhol short over and over. Again. Exactly. Yeah. They're either they're they're trying to do or they're if they're francophones then they're they're trying to ape some nouvelle vague or some some artsy highbrow right thing. But um immediately when when I remember you guys called me to come and uh, help out, you guys like scored like a sick roster of of actors on this thing. Yeah. Um with little or no notoriety. Yeah. Um, like that must have been a trip. Like, how yeah, did you it really was. I mean, one of the things is like Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> yeah, our first sake. day was Malcolm McDowell. Like that changed were, my life. Just yeah, so sh- yeah, I mean, we shot with Michael Madsen and then uh, Daniel Baldwin. Mr. Blonde, man, he shot with Mr. Blonde. Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that awesome. for me was like nuts. It was a big moment. Yeah, it is, was. Is he is he like a character? Like, just like he seems like he is. Michael's really? a great guy. Like, yeah. you know, like. He takes his craft really seriously. As you know, like, he's acted in so many movies. A like, shit ton you know, of movies. Like, yeah, yeah, a ton. Like, kind of, he kind of went, like, a little down from the A-list from, you know, his Tarantino days. Mm-hmm. But um, he still is a great actor and super professional. And, like, you know, it was just, like, awesome to work with on, like, my first film to see Michael Madsen right there. And, like, it's just, like, I mean, like, so it's, it's you. Like, yeah, yeah. Donnie <laughs> yeah, Brasco, right? You know, like, yeah. I remember from Donnie Brasco. Yeah, of course. That was yeah. a huge role. That was actually yeah. one of the, my favorite um, yeah. of his roles. Sonny yeah. Black. Sonny Black, yeah. Yeah, it's the only time I think he's ever played kind of like uh, that type of character in terms yeah. of like a, like a wise guy. And the thing that really grabbed his attention on this one is he plays a college professor. Right. You know, which is, like, super weird because he's always, like, Usually, like, kind of tap to play, like, like, like the bad guy, the tough guy, you know. He's got a and stuff like I mean type, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got like an intimidating voice, you know. He's a really big dude, and uh, yeah, and so like we just threw him in as like a college professor, and he liked he, that. He loved that part. He he just thought it was like so random and so cool. Roll with it. It wasn't like here, just be yourself, like in the movie, like be Michael Madsen as a college professor. Anyway. So that was pretty cool. I, I guess that's why you would do uh, indie film uh, at that stage of your career because yeah. the, there isn't that whole expectation of you, everyone wanting to get. I mean, like a guy like that, especially, you know, I guess people who approach him are like, oh, I love what you did in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Uh, I love what you did in um, uh, Donnie Brasco. And then we're. We're kind of this guy is kind of like a career criminal, and he's like, "Ah, oh, here we go again." Okay, yeah, all right, I got this. So for someone telling him, like, "Yeah, we need you to be like a stamp collector," that's fascinating. To <laughs> yeah, him. definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obsessive stamp collector. Okay, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah let's do that. Interesting, right? And Malcolm McDowell was it was surreal to see him in real life for me. Yeah, it was really surreal. It didn't really hit me until like I knew he was gonna be there. Well, not I didn't know he was gonna be there. When he showed up, I'm like, "That's fucking Malcolm McDowell. That's." that's the fucking dude from clockwork orange like that's the dude from all these other movies i've watched and um but just seeing him do his thing was just like what the fuck yeah but there were so many great things about that project like i got to see good old school um practical effects blood and guts yeah which i think secretly uh, richard would have like a would have 
could have had a career in because that shit is so much fun. I think so. I think you would have loved it, man. Just like these, just it's playing around with intestines. Yeah, it's just these super chill dudes, and they're just giggling and laughing and just working on these with these weird containers. You don't know what's going on. And then suddenly, like, you hear action, and this one guy just starts pumping, like, what looks <laughs> to be, like, one of those ketchup containers <laughs> yeah. at a fast food place. Yeah. And someone's intestines are coming out of their nose. <laughs> yeah. And then we have to do it again, right? I would lose my shit. They're like, okay, let's reset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a huge respect for that. I uh, do, too. I mean, honestly. Uh, did you know that you were going to have all of these actors in your movie? Uh, definitely not when we were writing the film. Okay. But I think we definitely had the goal to try and cast it, you know, with some really cool names as much as possible. One of the big things was we also wanted to do, like, with all the casting is kind of reverse cast it. Like, give these char- like give these actors roles that nobody would expect. Michael Madsen as a college professor. Malcolm McDowell is, like, the creepy neighbor that's got a thing for, suburban like, the pervert. mom. You know, like, yeah. Sub- yeah, exactly. Suburban pervert. Perfect. Yeah. And, you know, like, Daniel Baldwin just has a funny cameo. That dude, to me, I'm still not sure that I actually, wit- like, I, I witnessed that firsthand. It, yeah. It's like a weird, um, because the location we went to was so cinematic. It was like, yeah. Uh, and the way this whole thing was shot, I remember it sometimes as a scene from a movie rather than the fact that I was, like, right there on the little beach. Yeah. Um, with the lights and it was raining it wouldn't stop fucking raining and uh, I remember thinking this isn't Alec Baldwin but Jesus they they all sound like that yeah he sounds so much like Alec like how strong are those genetics yeah. in that family oh yeah yeah. that each no matter which brother you get you get that like Baldwin kind of um, I- immediately compelling yeah like you just have to listen to him yeah yeah and, definitely his voice is just like it's like just narrate to me. Yeah, it's like just he's, he's he's like a very Tarantino. Like he's an anecdote guy, yeah. right? Tell me sweet nothings, you know. Just yeah. like was he hard to get? Was it hard to get your hands on him? Um, not really. Okay, because he really. lives out in Alberta now, wasn't he? I don't uh, actually. To be honest with you, I have no idea. Unless it's like I thought he lived in New York. Okay, that's still close by. But how did he occur to you as a person to? Uh, um, it was just kind of like, you know, like we did our casting through Bruno Rosado casting and uh, we just had access to him and uh, he thought it was a cool idea, you know, like, and a lot of these actors are like really nicely supportive of young filmmakers. That's cool. So that's really cool to see. Well, I mean, American indie is a whole other world, right? Like we're Canadian indie and American indie, like here we're kind of, it's kind of cushy, I think, in mm-hmm. terms of what the programs that are available to you versus, like, you really have to hustle, right? If you're an American indie guy, like, you really have to find that money. Yeah. There's no, like, subsidies as far as I know. I mean, there's no. I mean, different states give different tax credits if you're shooting in the states. But, but no one's going to put money down. That's Yeah, yeah, I know. You really got to mm-hmm. hustle to make it. Yeah. Or unless you win some kind of competition or something or you work for a company for a while and then you can rise to the top. But, you know, that's the... yeah. So what's General grind. like if you get some young youngin coming to you going like oh I saw Lady Psycho Killer I loved it mm-hmm. I want to get into the producing game like what's your like I don't know what's your like five things that you you tell them um, or her you know I would say I would say first of all is like look at your content make sure that you know it really is like 
nicely marketable and like what's going on like watch a ton of stuff like watch everything that's okay so you gotta be a student you know like i like and like i still do that go to the movies like religiously you know like watch everything that's coming out even if you are not a fan of a specific genre like just watch it if it's getting attention you know if it's it's getting attention if it's get if it's not getting attention why is it not getting attention why why something is getting attention but just like you know like you have to love cinema also really like you really have to love what you do and also like lastly go to all these film markets that are available to you this is a you whole world register. that people like don't even know about yeah, you can like register like for a film market and okay. just go there and mingle with people it's like a convention yeah i mean it's like you know for example like fantasia film festival that happens in montreal like biggest you know genre of film market like register for it go there represent your stuff represent your project talk to people get advice be honest you know like and you'll get some great feedback at this point you're like you've got your when you say bring your stuff like you're bringing your your scripts there you're bringing your ideas anything like your scripts uh maybe like you have a friend of yours that you really believe in that wants to be a director writer you bring that material you yeah, know me. like or if you <laughs> no like or if you like you know want to do it yourself produce your own stuff and whatnot you know like it's the same thing you can drum up some business yeah okay yeah i mean i guess it's a little bit like that for 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 any kind of business environment but i always i always shied away from those things because i always figured that it was like I just, everybody's pitching everybody something right i mean the thing those is things? it's also like a great experience okay. you know just to like hang out with everybody that is into film mm-hmm. and like involved in the film business and uh everybody's successful in varying ways but it's great like it really is great to like to get insight mm-hmm. like and you learn something at every single market you learn something from every single person you meet you know like it's really cool and like i've met some of my i've met like really good friends at mm-hmm. film markets that i keep in touch with nothing to do with business wise just like in a friendly capacity like you'd have coffee with them and chill yeah and, exactly you okay. know like just like really cool people so do you have like a team do you have like your your people that you always or do you like to work with different people every time oh uh, yeah it's like now like i work with impact media and that's and your like, crew like yeah. that's your unit and we're you know like we're focusing on like a lot of different projects there's a project called unmade in la the duff charney story essentially um you know like ceo of american apparel um you know, we got this great comic book at the Comic-Con in Montreal that we picked up uh, called Empress of All Silence. And, I like the uh, title. Yeah, it's written by Kyle Smith and uh, so Matthew you've, Carroll. You've, you've, like, you've, you've optioned it? Or yeah, you've, okay. yeah, we've optioned it and basically getting it made, you know, and stuff like that. Right on. Um, Carnival, which is this cool, like, horror, like, you know, like, really, like, carnival horror movie, mm-hmm. like, by Victor Mathieu. Okay. And, like a um, like a Rob Zombie project potentially yeah. type thing yeah 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 like in the same vein so uh-huh. it's pretty cool and um, working with Nathan again Nathan's got a cool movie yeah Nathan's um, a cool cat man I'd love to get my hands really on determined, him determined like you know like I love Nathan like you know like we're great friends and uh, he's got a great project called The Broken Castle which is like a really intense drama but uh, we really think it's going to shake some waves. Cool man, I, yeah. I I really want to see like Nathan's always been kind of yeah. Um, I always admired him because he was kind of. I went to school. I went back to university to film school in my thirties, right? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> or I just had just turned thirty. So he was like the other dad there, yeah. And to see that there was this guy who was a dad 
and like a really involved dad, you know, yeah. um, and still fully like he could still pursue his film projects. It kind of was like, okay, it's it's doable. This, you know, like your family doesn't mean you can't do your filmmaking. Like, oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. You can make it work if you if you want it hard enough. You know, yeah, if definitely. You want it really hard enough. And Nathan's really determined. Yeah, and really intelligent. So definitely making it work. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. He's like a stand-up guy. That's 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 rare too. Yeah, I think in show business, I don't know if if if, if that just brings out the worst in some people, or there's just, just like a desperation cocaine and leaving your family behind. <laughs> Is that what you're I'm just saying, like show business, because it it tends to have this really like I mean, just L.A. right? Make everything out of gold, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Put your name on everything. Mm-hmm. Out Put of your gold. name on everything. The douche factor is high. Yeah. Right. I mean, to be fair, I know I have a good friend who's like, uh, well, he's almost out of the game now, but he's a steam valve tycoon. Okay. Which it's one of those things where like, you're like, what the fuck is that? Right. But steam valves are apparently a huge deal. Okay. It's one of those, it's one of those kinds of wealthy things, family things that you never hear about, like aluminum. Okay. It's super mundane, but of, there's families that are dynasties of aluminum dynasties and steam valves and these are all industrial things that we don't right. see right so he took over his dad's business and so for a long time we'd get together for a beer whenever he was in town and he'd tell me about these conventions of like steam valve conventions yeah right and it, he's like he's describing them and i'm like oh they must be the most boring things he's like no you don't understand it's debauchery debauchery <laughs> yeah it's like it's, the more boring the industry is the more debauchery the more exactly the more <laughs> whores the more yeah. exactly the more we're gonna rent low. out this hotel and just They're, destroy it right exactly. if, it's, if it's Hollywood it's like well they'll they be they gotta a, blow off some steam <laughs> <laughs> We make wood chippers, but damn, do we party. Exactly. Exactly. And also, we could get rid of the evidence after or something. Yeah. And unlimited gut wood, like, yeah. type of jokes. But that's, but I think that's really, like, that comes with any kind of niche industry where you're seeing the same people over and over. There's a whole bunch of people trying to break in, doing business. Everyone's got a little bit of that desperation and that, like, got to get that money, got to get that dis- business deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that kind of comes hand in hand with drugs and alcohol, yeah, and uh, craziness, right? Most business is boring as shit. You know, it's not it's not glamorous stuff. Yeah, you know, everyone's looking forward to like the drink afterwards, right? The ceramic tile convention, I'm sure, it's like craziness it's the as darkest. well. You know, there's <laughs> a busload of furries that get off at, after they're done. Yeah, and uh, the what's I don't know what they're called. Sounds like you've been to one of these. That sounds like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, but he's told me some. He's told me some stories. But <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I guess any kind of niche market thing where you're doing business with a handshake and stuff like that. I mean, you must have seen some crazy shit in your day. Any 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 crazy stories that you can tell? No names, of course. Um, of oddities, of weird things you've seen. I mean, I'm trying to think. At like mar- Oh, I'm trying to think. Like at markets, not specifically, just in the producing game. Okay, well, I've had some, like, at different markets, I've had some, like, you know, like, okay, so I went to the AFM two mm-hmm. years ago. That's the American film market. It's a big one, right? Yeah. And just hanging out with all these people. And, like, you're standing in the Fair lobby. And you're doing the, you're standing in the lobby and you're doing the better, th- you know, like, the the chill thing. It's like, all right, trying to plan out my next meeting. What hallway do I go down to? What time is it? Whatever. 
And I remember I'm standing next to one of my partners, Francois Garcia, and this like big dude just comes up to us and is like, do you know who I am? And we're like, should we? Like, what? Like, are <laughs> We're you, sorry, no. <laughs> what? And it's like, no. He's like, come on, guess. And it's like, no idea. And then, like, my friend goes, Ash. He's like, um, I don't know. Were, were you like, did you play Shaft at some point? And he's like, no, look at the ring. And he just shows us, like, this NFL, like, championship ring. Mm-hmm. Like, this, Super this, Bowl this, like, Yeah, this random, this random fucking football player. Okay. And we're just like... You've never heard of this guy? Never heard of okay. him before. You know, not like a star player. Just like, you know, maybe a guy in one of the teams that... He's like the punter or whatever. Yeah, like, just like got the... Just like, game. you know, like, because everybody gets a ring, you know, you win. And like, always a couple of ass, uh, lucky and you're, and, assholes And you're, and you're just okay. standing there and you're, you're like, okay. He was expecting, like, some sort of huge... Yeah, I was expecting some kind of huge, like, outcry. And I'm, like, basically was just like, that's awesome. Um, congratulations. <laughs> That's 76 cool. was a hell of a year yeah can we <laughs> we're gonna walk away now yeah, you know like you leave us alone like, please and that happened about like 10 15 times but la is like a really like weird place it's bizarre land. yeah my friend actually i have a like a really good friend of mine is the director of carnival and uh he uh he he's got a great story about um just basically like dating life in la you know like and you're in the film scene like everybody's on the hustle right yeah and it's like you go to a bar and he told me he was like his friend had this encounter that was just like so sit down at the bar order my drink this girl is sitting down next to me she's talking to another guy she turns around faces me and Latour just looks me in the eyes and just says are you rich <laughs> and he's like um what not really like Hey, that was the open, just straight up. <laughs> yeah, just like straight up, just right. ask him that. And are you, are you like, worth my time? She was like, okay, and like turned back around. Just like, wow, that was it. That was it. Had he said yes, she would have been like, she would have just switched chairs. Yeah, just, and just started chilling with him. I mean, so well, I mean, you gotta you gotta look at this from the gold digging perspective. You know, if one fully engages in the digging of gold. And approaches it in a <laughs> effective gold digging. I feel like this is a four W. I mean, book you gotta be like, yeah, you, you have to be. To, there has to be some tact, just like yeah. everything. Or does there? I mean, I mean, is that is that even necessary? At least you're straight to the point, you know. Because like, I think the guys, the kind of guys that that take on those kind of yeah. relationships, are pretty much like they don't need to be romanced, really, right? They almost have like a contract already ready to go in their briefcase, going like. Okay, six months standard. They probably yeah. have all the the ex- <laughs> yeah. t's uh, t's crossed. And it's nice. like, listen, we're starting on July twenty eighth, yeah. so by December fourteenth, you know, it comes around Christmas season. I have to see my kids, so you're out. So you're out, but but uh, you know, standard standard severance package. Yes, exactly. Uh, plus uh, a nice brooch or something. You know, two point <laughs> <laughs> nice brooch, and uh, you know, I'll cover. The, I just I, on that note, I just read about. Um, uh, a little-known scene of uh, Chinese gold diggers. So Chinese gold digging is like a whole other level than it is in America because yeah. there's still some pretense and there's still some glamour to it. But in China, apparently, it's it's all business. Yeah. And the story I'd read was some gold digger woman who's like a professional gold digger. Like if you called her that, she wouldn't be insulted. Like she's a businesswoman. Right. She got all of her boyfriends undisclosed number um mm. all these business dudes to buy 
by her uh, iPhone sevens, like each all of them. Mm-hmm. So there must have been like a dozen of them. Then she sold them and put a down payment on a house. <laughs> she wow, which was like I was like bravo, that's effective <laughs> gold digging. That's planned out. Yeah, but that's almost impressive it's a at business that point. Model. It was uh, she didn't hit any one of her Johns up too hard for too much money. She mm-hmm. doled it out in a reasonable. What's an iPhone to these guys? And I'm really curious Nothing. about the like mortgage payments how she's got that planned out i like i want to see the financial structure yeah she's gold diggers t- tend to be very financially uh you know versed like they're very they're educated <laughs> on exactly yeah. how far that dollar goes yeah you know they probably they probably start asking you like in the first date like if you're are you euro well what's your deal are you playing the market i need to know these things <laughs> just put your thumbprint here That's right. <laughs> i'll get all the info i need open your wallet let me see the type of credit cards you have i feel like there's an idea f- for an app here for gold diggers <laughs> like they can just ping some guy with a rolex and Richard, find write it down. Right. If, they're, <laughs> if they're worth their time okay so yeah straight up like are you are you rich no okay thanks not even getting mad just being like all right moving on yeah mm-hmm. next but what a weird it's kind of like awkward speed dating very awkward but yeah. sort of t- efficient yeah there's none of this this like dragging yeah. out of the whole situation <laughs> yeah but you what just an, drop the pretense yeah almost we're all adults here we're all adults here how much you worth? <laughs> 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 but what a weird place la must be um in like we don't understand how everybody is trying to make it. Everybody. Yeah. The guy serving you, the guy at the, that owns the place probably has a script. He's going to try to shove in your pocket on the way out. Hmm. Oh, he's doing it in the, he's in the cloakroom, like putting his mixtape in everybody's pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like that kind of environment. If you believe in what it, I don't know what it's called, but like the, um, that's that effect. That yeah. When everybody's focused on the same thing. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what a vibe that must create. Yeah, and sometimes it's kind of like you spend too much time there. And like I feel like it's like you kind of get like disconnected a little bit from yeah. the rest of what's going on in the world. Because everybody's like in that business, hustling for that business, you know? Like, so. But like I also like to have like friends there in completely different industries, you mm-hmm. know? Makes for a good like conversation. Steam valves. Yeah, like steam valves or wood chippers. Yogurt. You know? <laughs> yeah. Those guys can party. Yeah, yeah exactly. The yogurt guys, man. You think film parties are fun? With the yogurt guys. Yeah. What's uh, on what's your, next? What's next? Yeah. Let's yeah. end with that. So what next is uh, you know Impact and I are we're working on uh, you know like a couple of the shows that I mentioned, the Dove Charney show. You know, which is uh, what is that? The Dove Charney really show. Cool. So Dove Charney was you know like the CEO of American Apparel. Yes, and the you underwear like, guy. Yeah. Yeah. And you remember all the like crazy stuff and the crazy media stories that was, like yeah, surrounding yeah. around him calling it like unmade in LA and he's currently kind of like rebranding himself and he's, you know, making basically trying to get back to the top. Okay. After he was ousted from the company. He's making so amends kind of amends slash, you know, that's just like dove is dove, like he is who he is. And kind of just like this whole world that he lives in. And like and other project I was men- and other projects I was mentioning, so okay, yeah. so you definitely are gonna keep producing, and this is definitely something you're hundred percent. This is like really what I want to do. Um, there's definitely like success in it, like especially. I mean, it's always like an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. You know, like we kind of thrive know. in it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you find you find yourself at the right moment with the right project and everything. You find the right things. 
It can definitely go really well. Okay. Dream project? What like something you'd like to be working on if you had the resources right now? If I had the resources right now, something I'd like to be working on. Um or maybe even scale if you don't want to talk about yeah, the property. No, no, no. I'm just thinking like I'd love to do like a like a really big like Netflix show. Like uh-huh. a House of Cards. House type, of Cards type thing. Daredevil. Exactly. Yes. I mean me and you can uh it's like okay, Richard, you have to stop recording. Yeah, because now, now Jason and I are going to talk about Daredevil for, for days, like, for for like four hours. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a bittersweet moment for me when Daredevil yes, came out. I know, and for you too, probably. Yes, you're like yeah, they got it right, but goddamn, I was I wanted to do a lot of this. Yeah, stuff that's in here. Yeah, mm. but you know that but they got it right. They and got it, it, right. it also just proves to you like keep the mentality. You're on the right track. Yeah, yeah that, you know, that's like that's thinking. that's you made me realize that. That's yeah, a cool lesson like, to draw from it. Yeah. You know, like, all right, I'm thinking this way, and I'm on the right track. I just so got to move like, faster. I got to stop waiting. And I got to move faster. And now that we're talking about some of this uh, technology stuff we were talking about, yeah, uh, it's definitely got me thinking I need to get schooled on this. So Not the VR porn aspect. No, no, no. That's the last resort. Right. That's okay. a break the glass situation. Yeah. There will always be VR porn. There will always be VR porn for us, Jason. <laughs> yeah, that's our title right and there. <laughs> Richard will take care of all the technicalities. Yeah, yeah he's I got you covered, guys. He's always been there. He's the guy that can, uh, you know, pull you through the tough moments, uh, straight face, give you that pep talk you need. He's kind of my Albert in a sense. Yeah, yeah, I'm his Nathan a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the. Nice, I'm digging this. I, I love just, it. I just go on and on, and he's like, okay, well. Here's the portion of what you just rambled about that we're going to be actually able to execute. <laughs> <laughs> but go on. Do go on. Yeah. I don't mind. <laughs> Please continue. Please continue. Yeah. Let me get you another beer. And that's I think, is the, the makings of, uh, of like a lifetime partnership. I think yeah. that's all of the big um, duos or just even teams that I've heard of. There's always somebody that reigns in the other guy. And at the other times, they switch roles and shit like that. That's You're very lucky if you can find... A Jason Whisperer. Jason Whisperer. <laughs> Hang on. No, you're a crazy whisperer. I don't like where this is going. I'm also the crazy whisperer. Uh-huh. Make that. It's also. It's a different hmm. thing you different also do. Different thing. Yeah. Cool, man. Listen, Al, this is badass. Hey, man. Did, thank you so much. Did you have much. a good time? Thanks, guys. Yeah, I loved it. The time just flies by, doesn't it? Yeah, no. I'm like, we've been talking for, what, like five minutes? Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. But yeah. we've been, we've, we're almost at the two-hour mark. and uh, Can I do this like weekly? <laughs> absolutely absolutely like our door is always open and never gonna have any more guests i just want to sit here and chit chat <laughs> that's kind of hopefully uh, and it's like and then when your viewers go down they'll be like all right al you kind of gotta leave you, you gotta <laughs> we gotta just put some space between you yeah and, and then start a petition get our numbers back up yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll cancel you and then there'll be fan fan like uh mobilization and it's all good you have literally here. been talking about the same thing for like six months it's time to move on on. enough about al and mercedes enough (laughs) yeah man well as our technology evolves like we're gonna have the uh, we're we're gonna be able to um, uh, make this like uh we're gonna have to have have multiple people on as well oh it's gonna be great and uh we're just getting started like year two round table discussion absolutely oh that'll be awesome and we're looking into um, um 360 for the podcast as well uh, to make it work. I've seen a few podcasts try it, but they haven't mastered it yet. It still looks very weird when they do the 360 stuff. But the idea is to um, really... What is this? Well, the idea of instead of like just having the like $8,000 
navigator machine that like goes back and forth as you're talking with your guests. Right. Um, you just literally just plant this 300, 360 uh, oh, camera right. in the middle and you, you start sort of broadcasting a visual component to the whole podcast. And we got a bunch of ideas that we want to try out. But, That's amazing. Uh, year two is for upgrading. Year one was to see if this was actually even the show. If you guys got uh-huh. along. Yeah, on mostly. Mm. Still not convinced. You're just forcing it right now. I yeah. think it's, it's a chore. I sense the tension. <sighs> <laughs> that should be our new theme song. <laughs> <laughs> like, meh. Meh. The show. Yeah, just to end real quick yes, on do the it. meh. Um, I don't know if it's still open or not. That yogurt place when we were all in school on uh, the film school in St. Catherine or something called Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It, I have a yeah. I have a brief brief recollection of it. Did you actually go in there? Uh, a couple times. Yeah. But we were thinking about like, let's make a yogurt place right next to it called Meh. Meh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like better. literally has everything that Yeah has. But just less. Hmm. Yeah, our whole branding is like we're not special, really. Yeah, there's nothing really going. (laughs) There's nothing really good about which hipsters are gonna love. Exactly. Mm. Right. Oh, they'll love it. It's this whole idea of like, and it's twice the price of yeah. Three times. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Three times. You're like, we're here. We're here. We're about the the real experience of life, which is never complete disappointment or pleasure. It's kind of this middle kind of broadcast that. Leaves you neither satisfied nor dissatisfied. That's what we do here. And then we can go to those Froyo conventions. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> no, maybe. It must be. And then yeah, overdose. Be. Debauch. Yeah, just <laughs> be found in the bathroom on a pile of hookers. Yeah. <laughs> Covered in a Froyo. A filled with Froyo. <laughs> and then someone else makes a billion dollars off of our life story, like the documentary on the yogurt craze of the yogurt people. <laughs> How you died of hypothermia in the Froyo. <laughs> in the Froyo convention of 2016. <laughs> <laughs> All right, homie. Well, uh, best of luck on your ventures. Thank um, you so much. I oh yeah, is there any anywhere we can see yeah. some of your stuff or yeah. like uh, Lady um, Psycho Killers? Uh, yeah, you'll be able to watch it next year. Next so, year, okay. yeah, has it not yet? Lady and, Psycho Killer. Uh, just uh, finish up the festival circuit. Mm-hmm. So uh, starring yeah. Malcolm McDowell, Michael Madsen, Daniel Baldwin, Daniel Baldwin. Uh, am I forgetting uh, someone? Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy. Oh, Jeremy, that was what I was forgetting. Yes. Yeah. And actually, a um, real good friend of ours, Dennis Andres, okay. who's actually a really huge up-and-coming actor. Nice. In Toronto right now. He's okay. doing a lot of TV stuff. He's doing really well for us, and uh, we're really happy for him. He's an awesome guy. And uh girl was Kate Daly. Kate Daly. Lead. Yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah, she was, she, was, she was something else, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are do you have like a online presence? Do you are do you interact with people or do you kind of do more behind the scenes type stuff? I'm more like behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, okay. Yeah. Okay, so send all of your shitty scripts to <laughs> Fire in the Hole Meh. at Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> at yogurt Steve Valve. Yeah. <laughs> dot com. That's actually probably something. <laughs> that's probably something. That's that's where you know you're in the presence of greatness. You uh you just shoot the shit and you keep coming up with business ideas. Hmm. <laughs> this is this is this is what we're doing. Oh, it's all yogurt, going, it's all going in the mainframe. Yeah, <laughs> good. Okay. You know, like excellent. I'll be just just cut me a little check when that when that when you monetize it and uh, I won't be mad at you. And uh, you'll get me that diamond Rolex. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> now I that want, it's and I want a really sweet engraving on the bottom of it. Okay, I'll come up with something. Yeah, mm-hmm. time after time, 
After time. <laughs> there we go. After there time. Go. You're going to have to get me a few of these. A few of them. Yeah, it'll be like a, like a, like a, one of those broken tweets where it'll be continuing on the next Rolex. <laughs> <laughs> it'll time be a t- after dot, dot, dot. Yeah, <laughs> an eight time. Rolex mini series of, of diamond encrusted watches. Well, Al, it's been a great pleasure. Awesome. A really good time. I knew this would be a good time. Thank you um, guys so much. Yeah, it's been awesome. All the best Thank in you. your adventures. My best to Nathan. Uh, my best to um, like everything that you're doing, man. And I hope uh, we get to work together again. Yeah, I Or in some to. more serious way. Yeah. And that's it, man. Fire in a hole. Ha, <laughs> ha.